Part four of A Portrait of a Man with Red Hair by Hugh Walpole. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Part four, The Tower, Section two. Four. And so the curtain falls on Act three of this pleasant little drama, said Dunbar huskily, turning towards the window. There will be a twenty minutes interval, but the last act will be played in camera if only one wasn't so beastly tired and if only it wasn't all my fault his voice broke harkness went up to him put his arm around him and drew him to him look here i'm older than both of you i might almost be your father so you've got to obey my orders i'll be best man at your wedding yet david yours and hester's there's nobody to blame nothing but the fog but don't let's cheat ourselves either we're shut up here at half-past five in the morning miles from any help no way out no telephone and two damn japs who are stronger than we are in the power of a man who's as mad as a hatter and as bloodthirsty as a tiger it's going to be all right i tell you i know it i feel it in my bones but we've got to behave for these twenty minutes only seventeen of them now as though it won't be it's of no use for us to make any plan we'll have to do something on the spur of the moment when we see what the old devil has up his sleeve for us meanwhile as i say i make the best of these minutes he put out his arm and drew hester in i tell you that i love you both i've only known you a day but i love you as i've never loved anyone in my life before i love you as father and brother and comrade it's the best thing that has happened to me in all my life the three body to body stood looking out through the gilded bars at the sky silver-gray and washed with shifting shadows after all he went on if our luck doesn't hold and we are going to die in the next hour or so what is it it's only what millions of fellows passed through in the war and under much more terrible conditions imagination is the worst part of that fancy and i suggest that we don't think of what is going to happen when this time is over whether it goes well or ill we'll fill these twenty minutes with every decent thought we've got we'll think of every fine thing that we know of and every beautiful thing and everything that is of good report all i pray said dunbar is that i may have one last dash at that lunatic before good-bye he can have a hundred japs around him but i'll get at him somehow harkness you're a brick i brought you into this i had no right to but i'm not going to apologize we're here the thing's done and if it hadn't been for that rotten fog but you're right harkness we'll think of all the ripping things we know with me it's simple enough because the beginning and the middle and the end of it is hester hester first and hester second and hester all the time he didn't look at her but stared out of the window by jove the sun's coming it's been up round the corner ever so long it will just about hit the window in another ten minutes it seems kind of stupid to stand here doing nothing he stepped forward and felt the bars take hours to get through that and then there's a drop of hundreds of feet no you're about right harkness there's nothing to be done here but say good-bye as decently as possible he sighed 
i didn't want to kick the bucket just yet but there it is it can happen to anybody a fellow can be as strong as a horse forget to change his socks and next day be finished this is better than pneumonia anyway all the same i can't help feeling we missed our chance just now when we had him alone in here no said harkness i was watching him that's what he wanted for us to go for him i am sure that he had the japs handy somewhere and i think he wanted to hurt us in front of hester but his brain works queerly he's formulated a kind of book of rules for himself if we take such and such a step then he will take such and such another a sort of insane sense of justice he's worked it all out to the minute half the fun for him has been the planning of it and then the deliberate slowness of it watching us calculating what we'll do really a cap with mice there's nothing for deliberate consecutive thinking like a madman's brain hester broke in we're wasting time i know i feel as you do that it's going to be all right but however he fails with you he can carry me off somewhere and so it is very likely that i don't see either of you again for some time but if that's so if that's so i just want to say that you've been the finest men in the world to me and i want you to know that whatever turns up for me now yes whatever it is it can't be as bad as it was before yesterday i can't ever again be as unhappy as i was now that i've known both of you as i've known you this night i didn't realize david how i felt about you until mr harkness showed me i've been so selfish all these years and i suppose i shall go on being selfish because one doesn't change all in a minute but at least i've got the two best friends a woman's ever had hester dunbar said turning towards her if we get free of this and you can get rid of that man i ask you as i've asked you every week for the last ten years will you marry me yes she said but for the moment she turned to harkness he was looking through the bars out to the sky where the mist was now very faintly rose like the coloured smoke of far distant fire she put her hand on his shoulder keeping her other hand on dunbar's i don't know why you said you were so much older than we are you're not do you promise to be the friend of both of us always yes he said something mockingly repeated in his brain it is a far far better thing i do he burst out laughing the macaw awoke put up his head and screamed you are both younger by centuries than i he said i was born old i was born with the old man of europe singing in my ears i was born to the inheritance of borrowed culture the gifts that the fairies gave me at my cradle were michelangelo's david rembrandt's goldwayer's field the temples at pastum the da vinci last supper the bruegels at vienna the view of the jungfrau from mulen the grand canal at dawn hogarth's prince and the quintet of the meistersinger yes the gifts were piled up all right but just as they were all showered upon me in stepped the wicked fairy and said that i should have them all on condition that i did not touch never touch never at least i've known that they were there at least i've bent the knee but until last night 
until last night he suddenly took hester's face between his two hands kissed her on the forehead on the eyes on the mouth i don't know what's coming in a quarter of an hour i don't like to think to tell you the truth i'm in the devil of a funk but i love you i love you i love you like an uncle you know or at least like a brother you've taken a match and set fire to this old tinder-box that's been dry and dusty so long and now it's a light such a pretty blaze he broke away from them both with a smile that suddenly made him look young as they'd never seen him i've danced the town i've climbed the rocks i've dared the devil i've fallen in love and i know at last that there's such a hunger for beauty in my soul that it must go on and on and on why should it be there my parents hadn't it my sisters haven't it no one tried to give it to me i've done nothing with it until last night but now when i've needed it it's come to my help i've touched life at last i'm alive i never can die any more the macaw screamed again and again beating at the cage with its wings hester never lose courage remember that he can't touch you that no one can touch you you're your own immortal mistress the red lacquered clock struck the quarter and at the same moment the sun hit the window strange to see how instantly that room with the coloured pagodas the fantastic temples the gilt chairs and the purple carpet shivered into tinsel the dust floated on the ladder of the sun the blue of the early morning sky was coloured faintly like a bird's wing the sun flooded the room wrapping them all in its mantle let's sit down said dunbar pulling three of the gilt chairs into the centre of the room where the sun shone brightest i've a kind of idea that we'll need all the strength we've got in a few minutes that's fine what you said harkness about being alive although i didn't follow you altogether i'm not very artistic a man who's been on the sea since he was a small kid doesn't go to many picture galleries and he doesn't read books much either to tell you the truth there's always such a lot to do and when i finish the daily mail there doesn't seem time for much more except a shocker sometimes the sort of mess we're in now wouldn't make a bad shocker would it only you'd never be able to make crispin convincing all i know is if i wrote a book about him i'd have him tortured at the end with little red devils and plenty of pincers however i get what you mean harkness about being alive i felt something of the same thing in the war sometimes at jutland although i was in the devil of a funk all the time i was sort of pleased with myself too life's always seemed a bit unreal since the armistice until last night and it's a funny thing but when i was helping hester climb out of that window and expecting crispin jr to poke his head up at any minute i had just that same pleased all over feeling that i had at jutland so that's about the same as you feel harkness only different of course because of your education hester if we win out of this and you marry me i'll be so good to you so good to you that he beat his hands desperately on his knees here's the time slipping and we don't seem to be doing anything with it it's always been my trouble that i've never been able to say what i mean 
couldn't find words you know i can't now but it's simple enough what i mean hester said if we only have ten minutes like this it's so hard to choose what you would say but i'd like you to know david that i remember everything we've ever done together the time i missed the train at truro and was so frightened about father and you said you'd come in with me and father hadn't even noticed i'd been away and the time you brought me the pink fan from madrid and the time i had that fever and you sat up all night outside my room those two days father was away and the day billy fell over the bring rock and you climbed down after him and the time you brought me that cilium and father wouldn't let me have him and the time just before you went off to south africa and i wouldn't say good-bye i've hurt you so many times and you've never been angry with me once or only that once do you remember the day i struck you in the face because you said i was more like a boy than a girl i thought you were laughing at me because i was so untidy and dirty and so i hit you and do you remember you sprang on me like a tiger and for a moment i thought you were going to kill me you said no one had ever struck you without getting it back then suddenly you pulled yourself in just like going inside and shutting your door i've never seen you until tonight, david i've been blind to you you've been too close to me for me to see you it will be all right we'll come out of this and then we'll have such times such wonderful times she came up to him drew his head to her breast he knelt on the floor at her feet his arms round her his head on her bosom she stroked his hair looking out beyond him to the blue of the sky harkness felt a mad wildness of impatience he went to the window and tugged at the bars in despair his hands fell to his side the only chance dunbar is to go straight for him the moment we're out of this room even if those damned japs are with him we can't do much but we may smash him up a bit first then there's jabez we've forgotten jabez where's he been all this time dunbar looked up i expect he went home after we went off no said harkness he was to be there till six he told me what's happened to him at any rate he'll give the alarm if we don't turn up no he'll think we got safely off yes i suppose he will my god it's five to six look here stand up a moment they stood up let's take hands let's swear this whatever happens to us now whether some of us survive or none whether we die now or live happily ever afterwards we'll be friends forever nothing shall ever separate us for better or worse we're together for always they swore it and see here if i don't come out of this don't have any regrets either of you don't think you brought me into this against my will don't think that whichever way it goes i regret a moment of it you've given me the finest time dunbar laughed i sort of feel we're going to have a chance yet after all he's been probably playing with us trying to frighten us there'll be nothing in it you see anyway i'll get a crack at his skull and now that i've got you hester i won't give up this night for all the wealth of the indies i don't know about life or death i've never thought much about it to tell you the honest truth 
but i bet that any one who's as fond of any one as i am of you can't be very far away whatever happens to their body there goes six the red lacquer clock struck hester flung her arms around harkness and kissed him then dunbar they all stood listening just as the clock ceased there was a knock at the door five harkness went to the door and opened it not crispin as he had expected but one of the japanese for the first time he spoke beg your pardon sir the master would be glad to see him upstairs harkness did not look back he knew that dunbar and hester were clasped tightly in one another's arms he walked out closing the door behind him he stood with the japanese in the small space waiting it was a dim subdued light out here you could only see the thick stone steps of the circular staircase winding upwards out of sight harkness's brain was working now with feverish activity whatever crispin's devilish plan might be he would be there to watch the climax of it if harkness and dunbar were quick enough they could surely have crispin throttled before the japanese were in time without crispin it was likely enough that the japanese would be passive this was no affair of theirs they simply obeyed their master's orders he wondered why he had not attempted something in that room just now why indeed he had prevented dunbar but some instinct had told him then that crispin was longing to shame them in some way before hester he had then an almost overpowering impulse to turn back run into that room fling his arms about hester and hold her until those devils pulled them apart it was an impulse that rose blinding his eyes deafening his ears stunning his brain he half turned the door opened and dunbar came out harkness sighed with relief at the sight of dunbar the temptation left him they mounted the stairs one japanese in front of them the other behind at the next break in the flight the japanese turned and opened a door on the left in here gentlemen if you please he said bowing they entered a small room with no windows quite dark save for one dim electric light in the ceiling and without furniture save for two wicker chairs they stood there waiting the master said the japanese he much obliged if you gentlemen will kindly take your clothes off for a moment there was silence they had not realized the words then dunbar broke out no by god no strip for that swine harkness come on you go for that fellow i'll take this one and instantly he had hurled himself on the japanese nearest the door harkness flung at the one who had spoken he was conscious of his fingers clutching at the thin cotton stuff of the clothes and beneath the clothes the cold hard steel of the limbs his arms gripped upwards caught the cloth of the shirt tore it slipped on the smooth hairless chest then in his left forearm there was a pain sharp as though some ravenous animal had bitten him there then an agony in the middle of his back then in his left thigh against his will he cried out the pain was terrible awful every nerve in his body was rebelling so that he had neither strength nor force he slipped to the floor writhing involuntarily with the agony of the twisted muscle 
and even as he slipped he saw sliding down over him impervious motionless fixed like a shining mask the face of the japanese he lay on the floor panic flooded him his helplessness the terror of what was coming next the fright of the dark it was all he could do at that moment not to burst into tears and cry like a child he was lying on the floor and the japanese kneeling beside him had one arm under him as though to make his position more comfortable very sorry the japanese murmured in his ear the master's orders as the pain withdrew he felt only an intense relief and thankfulness he did not care about what had gone before nor mind what followed all he wished was to be left like that until the wild beating of his heart softened and his pulse was again tranquil then he thought of dunbar he turned his head and saw that dunbar also was lying on the floor on his side not a sound came from him the other japanese was bending over him dunbar harkness cried in a voice that to his own surprise was only a whisper wait it's no good with these fellows we'll, we'll have our chance later dunbar replied the words gritted from between his teeth no it's no good with these devils it's all right though i'm cheery harkness saw then that the japanese had been stripping dunbar and he noticed with a curious little wonder that his clothes had been arranged in a neat tidy pile his socks his collar his braces on his shirt and trousers he saw the japanese move forward as though to help dunbar to his feet there was a movement as though dunbar were pushing him away he rose to his feet naked strong his head up swung out his arms pushed out his chest no bones broken with their monkey tricks hurry up harkness we may as well go into the sea together i bet the water's cold but no the japanese said something dunbar broke out i'm damned if i will then turning to harkness he says i've got to go on by myself it seems they're going to separate us rotten luck but there's no fighting these two fellows here well cheerio harkness you've been a mighty fine pal if we don't meet again only that rotten fog did us in harkness struggled to his knees no no dunbar they shan't separate us they, they shan't but there was a touch of a hand on his arm and instantly as though to save at all costs another pressure of that nerve he sank back dunbar went out one of the japanese following him the door closed now indeed harkness needed all his fortitude he had never felt such loneliness as this from the beginning of the adventure there had been an element so fantastic so improbable that except at certain moments he had never believed in the final reality of it there was something laughable ludicrous about crispin himself he had been like a child playing with his toys now absolutely harkness was face to face with reality crispin did mean all that he had threatened and what that might be the japanese was beginning to take off his clothes very lightly and gently pulling his coat from under him harkness sat up and assisted him this did not matter of what significance was it whether he had clothes or not what mattered was that he should be out of this horrible room where there was neither space nor light nor company 
anything anywhere was better the japanese's cool hard fingers slipped about his body he himself undid his collar and mechanically dropped his collar stud into the right-hand pocket of his waistcoat where he always put it when he was undressing he bent forward and took off his shoes the japanese gravely thanked him there was a small hole in his right sock and he slipped it off quickly covering it with his other hand he was ashamed for the japanese to see it his clothes were piled as neatly as dunbar's he stood up feeling freshened and cool then the japanese bowing moved to the door harkness followed him they climbed the stairs once more the stone striking cold under harkness's bare feet they must now be reaching the very top of the tower there was a sense of space and height about them and a stronger light the japanese paused pushed back a door and sharply jerked harkness forward harkness nearly fell but was caught by someone else closed his eyes involuntarily against a flood of light into which he seemed with a curious sensation as though he had dived from a great height to be sinking ever deeper and deeper then to be struggling up through bursting bubbles of colour his eyes were still closed against the sun that pressed like a warm palm upon the lids he felt hands moving about him then that he was held back against something cold then that he was being bound gently smoothly the bands did not hurt his flesh there was a pause he still kept his eyes closed was this death then the sun beat upon his body warm and strong the cool of the pillar to which he was bound was pleasant against his back there were boards beneath his feet and on their dry friendly surface his toes curled a delicious soft lethargy wrapped him round was this death one sharp pang like the pressure of an aching tooth and then nothing sinking into dark silence through this shaft of deep and burning sunlight he opened his eyes he cried aloud with astonishment he was in what was plainly the top room of the tower a high white place with a round ceiling softly primrose one high window went the length from floor to ceiling and this window which was without bars blazed with sun and shone with the colours of the early morning blue the room was white pure virgin white round and bare of furniture only and this was what had caught the cry from harkness three pillars supported the ceiling and to these three pillars were bound by white cord first himself then dunbar then naked as they jabez the fisherman stood there facing harkness a gigantic figure yesterday afternoon on the hill last night in the garden harkness had not recognized the man's huge proportions under his clothes now bound there with his black hair and beard his great chest the muscle of his arms and thighs the sunlight bathing him he was mighty to see his eyes were mild and puzzled like the eyes of a dog who has been chained against reason he was making a strange restless motion from side to side as though he were testing the white cords that held him 
his face above his beard his neck the upper part of his chest his hands his legs beneath the knees were a deep russet brown the rest of him a fair white striking strangely with the jet blackness of his hair he smiled as he saw harkness's astonishment ay sir he said it wasn't me you was expectin to see here and it wasn't myself that was expectin to be here either they were alone no japanese no crispin i've been in here half an hour before you come he went on and i can tell you sir i was mighty sorry to see them bring em both you gentlemen in whatever happens to me i said they've got clear away and never kind of struck me that the fog was going to worry you why didn't you get away yourself javez harkness asked him they was down on me about an hour after the fog had come on pretty thick and i was walkin up and down out there thinkin i hadn't no more than another hour of it and pleasin myself to think how mad that old devil would be when he'd found out what had happened and me safe in my own house with the mother when all of a sudden i hear the car snortin somethin's up i says and three seconds later as you might say they was on me if i hadn't been for that fog i might have got clear but they was on me before i knew it i had a bit of a struggle with they dirty stinkin foreigners but they got a lot of dirty tricks an englishman would be ashamed of usin anyway they had me down on the ground pretty quick and hurt me too they trussed me up like a fowl carried me into the hall and didn't the old red-headed devil spit and curse you've never seen nothin like it sir sure rivin mad he was that time all right and he came and kicked me on the face pulled my beard and spat in my eyes i don't know what's comin to us right now but i pray the almighty father to give us just one turn with my fist i'll land him then sir they carried me upstairs and tumbled me into a dark room there i was for i wouldn't like to say how long then they came in took my things off of me the dirty foreigners it's only a foreigner would think of a thing like that i struggled a bit but what's the use they put their thumbs on your back and they've got you then they tied me up here i had to laugh i did really did you ever see such a comic picture as all three of us without a stitch between us tied up here at six in the morning when i tell mother about it she'll laugh all right like the show down to st ives when they have the boxing i suppose we'll be getting out of this all serene sir won't we of course we will said dunbar don't you worry jabez he's been doing all this to frighten us he daren't touch us really why he'll have the county about his ears as it is don't you worry thank you sir said jabez still moving from side to side within the bands because you see sir i wouldn't like anything to happen to me just now mother's expectin an addition to the family in a month or so and there's six of em already and it needs a bit of doin lookin after them all i wouldn't have been workin for this dirty blackguard here if it hadn't been for there bein so many of us not that i'd have one of them away if you understand me sir you needn't be afraid jabez jumbar said when we get out of this mr harkness and i will see that you never have any anxiety again you've been a wonderful friend to us to-night and we're not likely to forget it oh don't you mistake me sir said jabez it wasn't no help i was askin for 
i'm doing very well with the boat and the potatoes it was only i was thinking i wouldn't like nothing exactly to happen to me along of this crazy lunatic here if you understand me sir i'm not sure if they give me time i couldn't get through these bits of rope here i'm pretty strong in the arm or used to be not so dusty even now if i could work at them a bit the door opened and crispin came in he appeared to harkness as he stepped in quietly closing the door behind him like some strange creature of a dream he seemed himself in the way that he moved with his eyes nearly closed somnambulistic he was wearing now only his white silk pajamas and of these the sleeves were rolled up showing his fat white arms his red hair stood on end like an ill-fitting wig in one hand he carried a curved knife with a handle of worked gold in the room blazing with sunlight he was like a creature straight from the boards of some neighboring theatre even to the white powder that lay in dry flakes upon his face he opened his eyes staring at the sunlight and in their depths harkness saw the strangest mingling of terror pathos eager lust and a bewildered amazement as though he were tranced the gaze with which he turned to harkness had in it a sudden appeal then that appeal sank like light quenched by water he was wrung up on the instant to intense excitement his whole body trembled his mouth opened as though he would speak then closed again he came close to harkness he put out his hand and touched his neck we are alone he said in his soft beautiful voice he stroked harkness's neck the soft boneless fingers harkness looked at him and strangely at that moment their eyes were very close to one another they looked at one another gently in harkness's eyes were no malice in crispin's that strange mingling of lust and unhappiness harkness only said crispin whatever you do to us leave that girl alone i beg you leave her he closed his eyes then god helping him he would not speak another word but a triumphant exultation surged through him because he knew that he was not afraid there was no fear in him it was as though the warm sun beating on his body gave him courage standing behind the safeguard of his closed eyes his real soul seemed to slip away to run down the circular staircase into the hall and pass happily into the garden down the road to the sea his soul was free and crispin's was imprisoned he heard crispin's voice will you admit now that i have you in my hand if i touch you here how you will bleed bleed to death if i do not prevent it do you remember shylock and his pound of flesh oh upright judge but there is no judge here to stay me the knife touched him he felt it as though it had been a wasp's sting a small cut it must be and suddenly there was the cool trickle of blood down his skin then his right shoulder a prick now a cut again on his arm stings nothing more but the end had really come then at last his hands beneath the bonds moved suddenly of their own impulse it was not natural not to strive to be free to fight for his life 
he opened his eyes he was bleeding from five or six little cuts crispin was standing away from him he saw that dunbar crimson in the face was struggling frantically with his cords and was shouting jabez too was calling out the room hitherto so quiet was alive with movement crispin now stood back from him watching him the sight of blood had completed what these weeks had been preparing with that first touch of the knife on harkness's body crispin's soul had died the battle was over there was an animal here clothed fantastically in human clothes like a monkey or a dog at a music-hall show the animal capered stood on its hind legs mowed in the air with its hands it crept up to harkness and whining like a dog pricked him with the knife point now here now there in a hundred places harkness looked out once more at the great window with its splash of glorious sky then ceased to struggle with his cords his lips moved in some prayer perhaps and once more surely now for the last time he closed his eyes he had a strange vision of all the moving world beyond that window at that moment at the hotel the maids would be sweeping the corridors people would be stirring and rubbing their eyes and looking at their watches in the town family breakfasts would be preparing men would be sauntering down the narrow streets to their work the connection with the london trains would be running in with the london papers already the men and women would be in the fields the women would be waiting perhaps for the fishing fleet to come in mrs jabez would be at the cottage door looking up the road for her husband his heart pounded into his mouth with a mighty impulse he drove it back crispin was laughing the knife was raised his face was wrinkled he was running round the room round and round making with the knife strange movements in the air he was whispering to himself round and round and round he ran words pouring from his mouth in a thick unending stream they were not words they were sounds and once and again a strange sigh like a catch of the breath like a choke in the throat he ran bending not looking at the three men bending low as though as he ran he were looking for something on the floor then quite suddenly he straightened himself and with a growl and a snarl the knife raised in one hand hurled himself at jabez all followed then quickly the knife flashed in the sunlight it seemed that the hands caught at jabez's eyes first one and then another but there had been more than the hands because suddenly blood poured from those eyes spouting over covering the face mingling with the beard with a great cry jabez put forth his strength stung by agony to a power that he had never known until then his body seemed to rise from the ground to become something superhuman immortal the great head towered the limbs spread out it seemed for a moment as though the pillar itself would fall the cord that tied him to the pillar snapped and his hands were free he tottered the blood pouring from his face he moved blindly staggering not a sound had come from him since that first cry his hands flung out 
and in another moment crispin was caught into his arms he raised him the little fat hands fluttered the knife flashed loosely and fell to the ground the giant swung into the middle of the room blinded but holding to himself ever tighter and ever tighter the short fat body crispin his head tossed back his legs flung out in an agony now of terror screamed with a strange shrill cry like a rabbit entrapped jabez turned and now he had crispin's soft chest against his bleeding face the arms fluttering above his head as he turned his shoulder touched the glass of the window he pushed backward with his arm and the window swung open some of the broken glass tinkling to the ground there was a great rush of air that strange thing like no human body the white silk the brown slippers the red hair swung for one second of a time suspended as it were on the thread of that long animal scream so shrill and yet so thin and distant the white face its still eyes staring the painted mouth open hung towards harkness then into the air like a coloured bundle of worthless junk for a moment a dark shadow across the steeple of sunlight and then down down into fathomless depths of air leaving the space of sky stainless the morning blue without taint jabez stood for a moment facing them his chest heaving in convulsive pants then crying my eyes my eyes crumpled to the floor six first harkness was conscious of a wonderful silence then into the silence borne in on the back of the sea breeze he heard the wild chattering of a multitude of birds the room was filled with their chatter up from the trees crowding the room with their life straight past the window like an arrow shot from a bow flashed a seagull then another more slowly wheeled down curving against the blue like a wave released into air he recognized all these things and then once again that wonderful blessed stillness all was peace all repose he might rest forever after it seemed an infinity of time and from a vast distance he caught dunbar's voice jabez 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 old fellow the man's fainted harkness are you all right did he hurt you no harkness quietly answered he didn't hurt me he meant to though then a green curtain of dark thick cloth swept through the heaven and caught him into its folds he knew nothing more the last thing he heard was the glorious happy chattering of the birds seven he slowly climbed an infinity of stairs up and up and up the stairs were hard to climb but he knew that at their summit there would be a glorious view and for that view he would undergo any hardship but oh he was tired desperately tired he could hardly raise one foot above another he had been walking with his eyes closed because it was cooler that way then a bee stung him then another on the chest now on the arm now a whole flight he cried out he opened his eyes he was lying on a bed people were about him he had been climbing those stairs naked 
it would never do that those strangers should see him he must speak of it his hand touched cloth he was wearing trousers his chest was bare and someone was bending over him touching places here and there on his body with something that stung not bees after all he looked up with mildly wondering eyes and saw a face bending over him a kindly bearded face a face that he could trust not like not like that strange mask face of the japanese that other he struggled on to his elbow crying no no i can't any more i've had enough he's mad i tell you a kind rough voice said to him that's all right my friend that's all over no harm done my friend that sounded good he looked round him and in the distance saw dunbar he broke into smiles holding out his hand dunbar old man that's fine so you're all right dunbar came over and sat on his bed putting his arm round him all right i should think so so are we all even jabez isn't much the worse that devil missed his eyes thank heaven he'll have two scars to the end of his time to remind him though harkness sat up he knew now where he was on a sofa in the hall in the hall with the tattered banners and the clock that coughed like a dog he looked at the clock just a quarter to seven only three-quarters of an hour since that awful knock on the door then he saw hester oh thank god he whispered to himself nunc dimittis she came to him the three sat together on the sofa the bearded man the doctor from the village under the cliff harkness afterwards found standing back looking at them smiling now tell me harkness said looking at dunbar the rest that i don't know well there isn't much to tell we were only there another ten minutes when you fainted off i felt a bit queer myself but i just kept together and then heard someone running up the stairs i thought it was one of the japs returning but there was a great banging on the door and then shouting in a good old cornish accent i called back that i was tied up in there and that they must break in the door that they did and burst in two fishermen and old Possitor, the policeman from duntrit he's somewhere about the house now with two of the trellis policemen well it seems that a fellow jack curtis was going up the hill to his morning work in the crepit fields above the wood here when he heard a strange cry and turning the corner of the road finds on the path above the rocks crispin pretty smashed up you know he ran only a yard or two to the possitor's cottage possitor was having his breakfast and was up here in no time they got into the house through a window and saw the two japanese clearing off up the back garden curtis chased them but they beat him and vanished into the wood they stopped two other men who were passing and then came on hester tied up in the library she sent them to the tower well and then said harkness there isn't much more except this they got up the doctor had poor old jabez's face looked to and cleared him off down to his cottage were examining your cuts all this down here suddenly a car comes up to the door and in there bursts young crispin the two trellis policemen had turned up three minutes earlier in their car 
and were here alone except for Positor examining Crispin Sr., who was pretty well smashed to pieces, I can tell you. Crispin Jr. breaks through, gives one look at his father, shouts out some words that no one can understand, puts a revolver to his temple, and blows the top of his head off before anyone can stop him, topples right over his father's body. The end of the house of Crispin. I saw all this from the staircase. I was just coming down after looking at you. I heard the shot, saw old Positor jump back, and got down in time to help them clear it all up no one knows where he'd been to truro i imagine looking for all of us he must have cared for that madman cared for him or been hypnotized by him i don't know at least he didn't hesitate and now sir would you mind telling me said the stout red-faced trellis policeman advancing towards them eight he was free it was from the moment that the red-faced policeman smiling upon him benevolently had informed him that for the moment he had had from him all that he needed his one burning and determined impulse to get away from that hall that garden that house with the utmost possible urgency he had not wished even to stay with hester and dunbar he would see them later in the day would see them please god many many times in the years to come what he wanted was to be alone absolutely alone the cuts on the upper part of his body were nothing a little iodine would heal them soon it seemed that there had come to him no physical harm only an amazing all-invading weariness it was not like any weariness that he had ever known before he imagined he had had no positive experience that it resembled the conditions of some happy doped trance some dream state in which the world was a vision and oneself a disembodied spirit it was as though his body stricken with an agony of weariness was waiting for his descent but his soul remained high in air in a bell of crystal glass beyond whose surface the colors of the world floated about him. He left them all, the doctor, the policeman, Dunbar, and Hester. He did not even stop at Jabez's cottage to inquire. That was for later. As half-past seven struck from the church tower below the hill, he flung the gate behind him, crossed the road, and struck off onto the downs above the sea by a kind of second sight he knew exactly where he would go there was a path that crossed the down that ran slipping into a little cove across whose breast a stream trickled then up on to the down again pushing up over fields of corn past the cottage gardens up to the very gate of the hotel it was all mapped in his mind in bright clear-painted colours the world was indeed as though it had only that morning been painted in green and blue and gold while the fog hung under its canopy the master artist had been at work now from the shoulder of the down a shimmer of mist tempered the splendour of the sky harkness could see it all the long line of sea on whose blue surface three white sails hovered the bend of the down where it turned to deeper green the dip of the hill out of whose hollow the church spire like a spear steel-tipped 
gesticulated the rising hill with the wood and the tall white tower the green downs far to the right where tiny sheep like flowers quivered in the early morning haze all was peace the rustling whisper of the sea the breeze moving through the taller grasses the hum of tiny insects a lark singing two dogs barking in rivalry a scent of herb and salt and fashioned soil all these things were peace harkness moved a free man as he had never been in all his life as yet he was his own master and god's servant too life might be a dream it seemed to him that it was but it was a dream with a meaning and the events of that night had given him the key his egotism was gone he wanted nothing for himself any more he was and would always be himself but also he had lost himself in the common life of man he was himself because his contact with beauty was his own beauty belonged to all men in common and it was through beauty that they came to god but each man found beauty in his own way and having found it joined his portion of it to the common stock he had been shy of man and was shy no longer he had been in love was in love now but had surrendered it he had been afraid of physical pain and was afraid no longer he had looked his enemy in the eyes and borne him no ill will but he was conscious of none of these things only of the freshness of the morning of the sense that came to him from every side and of this strange disembodied state so that he seemed to float like gossamer on air he went down the path to the little cove he watched the ripple of water advance and retreat the stream of fresh water that ran through it was crystal clear and he bent down made a cup with his hands and drank he could see the pebbles brown and red and green like jewels and thin spires of green weed swaying to and fro he buried his face in the water letting it wash his eyes his forehead his nostrils his mouth he stood up and drank in the silence the ripple of the sea was like the touch on his arm of a friend he kneeled down and let the fine sand run hot through his fingers then he moved on he climbed the hill a flock of sheep passed him huddling together crying nosing the hedge the sun touched the outline of their fleece too shining light he cried out to the shepherd a fine morning ay a beautiful morning a nasty fog last night ay ay all cleared off now though it'll be a warm day the dog his tongue out his eyes shining ran barking hither and thither they passed over the hill the sheep like a cloud against the green he pushed up the breeze blowing more strongly now on his forehead he reached the cottage gardens and the smell of roses was once more thick in his nostrils the chimneys were sending silver skeins of smoke into the blue air bacon smells and scent of fresh bread came to him he was at the hotel gates oh but he was weary now weary and happy he stumbled up the path smelling the roses again into the hall the gong was ringing for breakfast children crying out and laughing raced down the stairs past him he reached his room 
he opened the door how quiet it was just as he had left it ah there was the tree of the st giles and there the grave friendly eyes of strang leaning over the etching table to greet him just as they were but he not as he had been he caught his face in the glass smiling idiotically he staggered to his bed flung himself down still smiling his eyes closed there floated up to him a face a little white face crowned with red hair but not evil now not animal friendly lonely asking for something he smiled promising something lifted his hand then his hand fell and he sank deep 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 into happy blissful slumber end of part four section two end of a portrait of a man with red hair a romantic macabre by hugh walpole